we're live and we're supposed to make an intro or anything as we usually do with the intro video, but I will not do that because I forgot. Great. Uh, so welcome to another episode of Enter the, the Matrix. The most scuffed of episodes. Oh yeah, it will be absolutely lovely. Jack is already super happy. So it's great. With our regular trio, we've got Jack, who will add another level of scuffness, if that's Hello. actually a word. Uh, because Jack, what's your setup? Do you you mind <laughs> telling the audience? Yeah. So I have a phone that is at like 10%, but don't worry, it's plugged in. We're probably fine. On top of a stuffed turtle in my sister's old room, because I'm visiting my family. Um, and my phone is leaning up against a ukulele, and I am on a bed. Let's go. It's great. It's great. We've won. Solid. Quality. This you is the quality. Tell that you're on. leaving of content creation, right? That's right. That's right. You can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you're, you're a prod. Uh, I don't know. I afforded a plane ticket home to my parents. It can't be that bad, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, <sighs> we we got. We started well, I must say, uh, but before we get into the depth uh, and we start, start talking about you, Jack, Pumba, how have you been? What's going All on good. at your end? All good. Uh, took a little bit of a break during Christmas because that's what you do, supposedly. So I actually did that. And now I've got uh, like third trimester pregnancy uh, due to all the eating. So I'm trying to recover from that. But other than that, all good. All awesome. It must be really hard on you. It is. It's like... It, it, it's I, really I exactly, I, exactly. I, I completely understand uh, pregnancy and the pains of living with a huge fucking belly. That's... Like that's nearly 60% of 40k player population, right? Mm -hmm. That's slowballing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, Nathan, yourself, how are you doing? How was Christmas for you? I am great, thanks. I had a good Christmas, went back to go see family. Other than that, pretty much standard. I've always had a fruit pregnancy belly, so join the club. All good. Let's go. So myself, I had standard Christmas for my approach to Christmas, which is I installed God of War Ragnarok and then proceeded to not sleep for two days. And not see people. And uh, I discovered new ways to make cocktails from what I had left in my bar. And I ate steaks. And and I must say it was great. Yeah, that sounds actually like, fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no family quarrels. I enjoyed myself. So, you know, and, you know, Kratos and God of War is sick. So, yeah. How far uh, in are you right now? Sorry? Did you finish it? How far in are you? No, no, no. I'm like 20 hours in. So. Oh, okay. But quite far. Like, yeah. I think closing to the end. Uh, yourself, Jack, you told us about uh, something about like 17-hour drive? Something like So small. I didn't actually drive. I flew. But, uh, and boy, are my arms tired. No, so <laughs> we're... Uh, we're based in like in the Tallahassee area, not for much longer. We're moving, but to get up to my parents' place in New Jersey, I can either take a flight from Tallahassee, which is 
super expensive because Tallahassee airport doesn't go anywhere. It goes to another airport and then that airport will get you a real flight. Um, or you can take a four hour drive to either Orlando or Atlanta and take a flight from there up. And those are reasonably priced cheap even. Uh, and I like that. Um, but it does involve a four hour car ride stopping part way for hang out with my girlfriend's parents, then completing the drive, then taking a flight, then taking another drive to get to my parents. But it's fun, and it's fine. But we'll be moving soon, so instead of four hours, it'll be 10 minutes, and that sounds much better. So basically trailer park by the airport, or? Yep, the yep. I'll actually just Sorry. live in the underbellies of the planes. It's the only thing I can afford. <laughs> okay, uh, cool. Uh, now, We've got a little bit of show notes and hell a lot of the questions. I was like, maybe we'll get a few of the questions and then people just started spamming us. So uh, before we get into that, I, I've got like few generic questions. How you guys feel about the year in 40K? What was your like highlight and low light of the year? Let's start with Jack again, because you were last, now you will be first. Um. Hmm. Highlight of what? 2023? Looking back on yeah, 2023? Exactly. For me, it's got to be like a, like probably a tie between WTC this last year, which was super cool. And uh, obviously LVO and I mean, this is almost a full year ago, but not quite uh, LVO and uh, ITC because I won LVO this last year, which got me the ITC championship as well. And that is not something I'm competing for this year, but it was super cool last year. And because from what I get, you transferred way more into playing teams as well. Transferred a lot more into playing teams, um, chasing ITC. Just once I'd done it, wasn't really because it's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of work going to a lot of events, paying a lot of money to fly places and do things, while we're also putting a lot of effort into teams and i'd already done it so i was not really feeling doing it again and i kind of wanted to go to lvo to see a bunch of people i didn't really want to play it's a very random event um like what table you pair when you pair into which yeah. player on can determine if your run ends immediately or not every round you're like flipping that coin just find out and it was very stressful last year it was, it was incredibly stressful and i didn't want to do that so luckily this year i got an offer from war games live joe to commentate alongside him so i will be doing oh. lvo with him this year as the color commentator and i think that's a hell of a lot of fun also costs significantly less I, so that's I must say, yeah that's exactly awesome. from from my experience at wtc doing the commentating can be a very nice refreshment in terms of how you approach the game maybe how do you see that nathan from your end i i feel like you really started to get into the game again partially because yeah, of it like it completely revitalized the game for me just a constant discussion about it the mixing of ideas talking to you guys obviously from different nations still being involved in the wtc without actually having to do with some of the stress and some of the let's say player attitudes of certain players um in it, england it was who, who, no. do you, who do you mean specifically oh, oh, just, just, uh, just, uh, so you know we, we don't kiss people um, just people <clears throat> you know, oh, just, you, know okay. you know i'm people. just curious <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, so it's one of those like it's a great way to stay involved with the hobby as well as gets you actually excited about certain things. So yeah, doing the commentary this year was definitely the highlight for me for the WTC over actually playing. I think it was probably one of the best WTCs I've had in a while. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna yeah. be fun. And then this this last year WTC has been just a ton of growth in a year for the mm -hmm. uh, community for the American WTC community. It's just been an insane amount of growth. Um, as we've put in a lot of work in the lead up to last year's WTC and making a community that isn't just eight players, like figuring out among themselves, but now like 40 players from all over the country, mm -hmm. um, having kind of a community and then putting out outreach to the wider American community and out of the top. So out of the to qualify, you either had to have a personal recommendation from somebody on the team or you had to be ranked in the top 100 in America, in uh, I, in the ITC, I think, or no, top 100 ELO. ELO so yeah. You, yeah, you either need to be top 100 ELO or you need to be personally recommended by somebody on the team, and then you could submit an application. And considering that basically everybody already on the team, which is like 30 people probably already on the team, um, they all were in the top 100, and you had to be in the top 100. We got like, almost 50 applicants this year so you had to be in the top 100 yeah it's like it's like 50 uh, or 45 or something of 70 eligible people just napkin math off the top no and we narrowed that i'm down interested or so how much of it would you say was caused by the media around wtc and how visible it was do you think people learned more about wtc because of joe going over or oh, was there absolutely. so some ground up work laid by specific members of the community so I, I think everything has an effect for sure joe going absolutely not only increases visibility of the event uh, increases visibility of of team usa as this thing that isn't just like a, a thing that people hear about but don't see right mm -hmm. um but then also on the other end there's a lot of work that people put in on the team, um, several several people, chief among them, Anthony Vanella has been amazing at outreach and like developing new new talent and going around and, and doing things. But everyone on the team has been doing a great job as an ambassador. And also, you know, as we expanded the team this last last year to from like eight to ten hand chosen people every year to you know thirty or so, um, people might now know a team you certain on team usa and it, it goes from oh that's the thing i've heard about right etc in the past wtc now i've heard about that oh there's a team going okay cool too oh yeah i actually yeah jeff down the road he's actually on team america you know my local or maybe somebody who goes to a gt i've been to like like a local gt okay one of the people who's like top five there routinely he's on team america mm -hmm. And so it made it a lot more um, real, like tangible for people, I think. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've been to WTC the last two times that uh, America has sent a team. So to me, I'm very much like on the inside working out, trying to extend outreach. So yeah. it's, it's a little harder for me to, un to know exactly which parts of the broader exposure WTC is actually catching people. But either way, it's, it's working. And I think that's awesome because it's been great seeing you know the just the the 40k community come together a lot more 
in America, and especially having represent representatives from all over and then making one cohesive team that works together with basically no personality like clashes, no serial like it's all just all so just not England as a team. I didn't say that, but you can infer it for sure. I How actually don't know the sir. inner workings of Team England. Um, you know, it was it was great hanging out with Team England at uh, at WTC. I had a lovely walk back to my hotel with uh, Naz and Vic, which actually oh, turned sorry. out to not be my hotel, and then I was lost. But it was so captivating the conversation that I didn't realize it until we got to their hotel. Not mine. Yeah, right. So they escorted you to their hotel. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, and they beat Good me gentlemen. Up. <laughs> and that's something. As much as those two two weedy gets could have. Wow. It's going back to the actual <laughs> topic. I actually find that really I don't know, refreshing or rather enlightening that you mentioned how much the team uh, America in, uh, visibility has increased in the last couple of months because I feel like you guys still have the possibly the biggest audience to reach right in the terms of uh, media consumption and stuff so um, I really enjoy hearing that uh, WTC format and generally teams format is uh, developing overseas as well because it's been all, or, or rather, it's been nothing but singles most of the time since, as far as I can remember, over there. Yeah, there's there's been ATC forever, American Team Championship. That's been a five-person team event in <laughs> Tennessee. And that's been around for a, a good long time. They're a bit idiosyncratic. They kind of had marched to their own their own thing. They kind of do their event the way they want to do their event which means there's no real like, it's it's good. I've been several times, it's been a blast, but it means that it doesn't like key into a larger team's circuit or environment. So it's kind of a thing you do, not like a thing, like not the thing you do once a year, mm -hmm. not a thing you do ongoing. And I think- yeah, I, I think when I'm looking changing. at the world right now when it comes to events and teams specifically, I think most of the countries adapted 20 system and playing teams in that system whereas i think us was the last one to still play win draw lose and in the terms that you need to have those wins or like different format that's like between 20 and win draw lose so i think that one might also be a next step to take because as you know it changes a lot whether you play for wins or differentials yeah so i can I can tell you that there's been a big change in just the last couple of years where if I told someone, you know, I got a 16-4 or, oh, that's a 20-0, like two years ago, a year and a half ago, a year ago, nobody would know what I meant. Um, now you can say that and people just, people know. And that's like the biggest sign that Teams is catching on is that you can say 15-5 and people mm -hmm. more than not will know what that means, which means yeah. you won by 25 or more, by 26 or more points, 26 to 30. Yeah. But at the same time, like you guys have a scream against Xenos Petting Zoo, something like that, right? So you're playing yeah. against another local team, right? And that's yeah, something that's yeah. catching up more. Pumba lately had a scream against one of the French teams. Mm -hmm. 
and with his Krakow team, and that's something that just starting to surface a little bit more where I see Ignite trying to get more there. Typhus, you are... No, 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 it's him. Your internet is dying, as usual. Just just before we lose you, possibly. So Typhus turned into a Transformer. And he maybe is back, or maybe not. Never mind. Uh... (laughs) Take it away, Pumba. And I'm back. (laughs) I'm back. Uh, My internet can be, well... Tricky. Anyway, I don't know what I was saying. So you were saying, Nathan, you said that Pumba should take it away. So Pumba take it away. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, as we have this um, chill out episode that we just can rumble about, is what was the worst thing that happened to you in this year in terms of 40k experiences? What would be the thing that you really... I don't know. It can be anything. Uh, event you regret going to, maybe something you reminisce about, maybe an army that you tried, maybe a particular game, anything that just absolutely wrecked you. Let me okay, start first. then. Okay. Uh, oh, fuck. We're really good go. at interrupting each other. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I got hooked into the game again and I got fucking tangled up in the team Poland again and I'm just cannot just I just cannot stop. <laughs> so that's the worst thing because it's taking so much time again and I cannot just chill through it. Ah yes. <laughs> because I'm just obsessive I guess. So yeah that's the worst for me that I'm losing my personal time again for the sake of the team. <laughs> it's good to have that break. Because <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Next. I can tell you mine very easy for me. So just to give you an idea or maybe a little t- more time to think. I think my worst experience or rather something that I reminisce about is my game at the WTC against the Spanish team where I went up uh, against the guard. I started, I went first. In my second turn, I had Magnus on full wounds in enemy's deployment zone, wrecking through his artillery. And I lost that game 15 to 5. Because so many insane shit. It's like so much What was that? One Basilisk, one shotting Magnus? One Basilisk has only down eight wounds to Magnus out of possible nine because I had to blank one for him not to die. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. This is three minus one damage? Yes. This is nine out of nine possible damage dealt because one was blanked. And then another Basilisk dealt another seven damage. So basically, Magnus died to two Basilisks straight up. Just fucking maybe one more might take or something, something. Basically, so much bullshit has happened, and because we didn't have the final scores in, and I had to still tr- scramble for points, and I didn't yet uh, know yet that this fuck up or either this score, even though it was going really well at the start, is, isn't going to particular matter. I was so fucking mad, going like crazy. I fucked up so bad. So that was one of the worst experiences because it was way before any of the other scores were in, or rather the final score. Oh yeah. So that, I had no no worse. idea that yeah, I had that feeling when I knew 
due to that, all the shit that happened happens, we can lose this round just because of that. That was excruciating. Yeah, actually being the first one to finish is the worst thing that can happen to you, from my experience, because then you start thinking about everything everyone else. You start being stressed about everyone else, whilst I don't know how it works for you guys. When I play my game, I'm just fully zoned in on my own, and I am not stressed. I'm just in the mode to do what I can do best at this mm -hmm. specific moment. And then when you're out and you then you have two hours of watching what's happening, and then you might be just losing to fucking Australia. You might be losing your mind then. So exactly. Definitely yeah. quite a bad moment. Oh man. Games I, uh, early. My my Grey Knights finished every game. I was the first one to finish every round. Because the games are just not I'm a fast player generically. Like I'm pretty fast. Um, like generally most of the time, but I have three units. So it's just like, I shuffle them, your turn. I shuffle them, your turn. I shuffle them, your turn. And you can't really interact with me. So you're not really doing anything mm -hmm. either. And the game ends. Like I had a 10, 10 draw into, uh, Denmark's custodies in under an hour <laughs> and we hit turn five and everything just done and dusted. We're good. And every <laughs> single time I was the first one to watch. So like I, I would then hop in and help out the coaching staff and, you know, basically take over as like a, not take over, but like take, change my role to that of a coach, like halfway through the round. And I did watch our round into you guys go from <laughs> the low side of a draw. That was fun. Draw, draw, but like for about two hours, you guys were shitting bricks. Um, yep. That's exactly the last hour. Not so much. <laughs> Exactly. No, 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 no. I can tell. They were. <laughs> they still were. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was crazy. No. Uh, what about you guys? Nathan, maybe Nathan, the worst, you were the worst to be part first. of the year. Maybe some rules that you really fucking disliked, or maybe some codex rules, or anything like that. Well, I um, loved Rave Nights. So, without starting too much drama, because I'm not going to name names or anything. But let's go. Oh um, my. <laughs> that's a good the, intro. <laughs> the the only thing over the last year or so, mostly this year, there's been quite a few instances of bad sportsmanship, and then not a lot in the way of refs doing anything about it. Like there's doesn't there just doesn't seem to be punitive action against people who do things or teams or whatever, and it just Obviously, I've been playing competitively for a long time. Every edition, every couple of years, you do get characters and, so, and somewhat like that. But it just seems to be there is a little bit now where it would be nice if events or like general, if there was a bit more of, say, a governing body, not a governing body of everything that's stupidly European, but, you know, just something <laughs> where it's more like, a consistency with we need to kind of stop this nonsense sometimes mm -hmm. and it's just there's just been we had a couple ones recently at leicester gt there was a couple of some other events it's just like like let's enjoy the game let's not like just try and win at all costs it'd just mm -hmm. be nice just to get away from that a little bit it's the only take back from this year that i had where i was like it's a shame that we have that a little bit in the community obviously that's less than one percent of games if 
less than a fraction of a percent of games, but it's still, you, everybody hears it's, about it. It's weird because you think about those events like Leicester, etc., where you have so many games happening and at the same time as you were at WTC, you have that comparison. And you know how chill WTC is mostly. Like it's very fair play. And then whenever, as we got used to it, because that was a problem with ETC till I think 2016. I think 2016 was the better year. I think since Neil took over, it got better. But we got used to the game being very nice to play. And it's more of a surprise to us than, for example, to Magic players. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. But, like, there's a certain amount where it's just, it's good that we kind of, it still catches us off guard a little bit because it means most of the time, you know, you, you sit down for a three-hour game and you make a friend by the end of it, and that's, I wouldn't want it to be any other way than that. Just occasionally there are bad actors who come in and take advantage of that system, but not often. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think generally still this year has proven that the community is growing in that direction as well, as in even more sportsmanship, even more like look at what happened at uh, World WTC, WCW. Sorry. Right. I think what has what John has done is like legitimately what most of the players should aspire to do. Like this level of uh, professionalism. I think I would call it that. Yeah. And like you make a mistake, no fucking like no way to adjudicate it or anything. You can see it like as a out of respect to your, to your opponent and i think it's very hard to do and he, he still is um admired for that and i think this is one of the steps in the the long path of uh, making the game even better in terms of sportsmanship but yeah overall i think there are still problems but i think they are getting less constant or rather they happen less often and maybe they might be even more visible at times, which I think is good because making them visible, I think, gets people rolling and actually not accepting that these happen. Yeah, I do think people make uh, everyone loves drama, right? Every everybody loves no, of it, course. and I think that that causes people to over over focus especially when they're they're not there right oh i <laughs> was there at wcw like i was right next to everything that was going on i know what happened and everything I've same seen as online, thousand redditors like, right <laughs> yeah right yeah basically the same thing um the amount of takes i saw that were just wrong just wrong in some way i, I was almost all of them actually and i think people at home really like to focus on the drama because we're human beings and human beings love drama mm -hmm. but i i think that i think it deserves to be said for everyone at home most 99 point something percent of your interactions at a tournament will not be like that will not be drama won't be anything like that will just be great and the competitive scene is great. If you ever want to, you know, if you haven't been to an event ever, 
it's kind of weird you're watching this, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but if you've never been to an event, you should give it a shot, really. You make friends, then you're hooked, then you're done. You're stuck. Stuck in 40K with the rest of us. And then, like Anthony, for three months consecutively, you're flying over to Central Europe for team events from US. Hashtag sure, just, just something today instead instead of wow, right? <laughs> yeah. He does wow during the day. Oh, he's, oh. he's back now. <laughs> he's back in, yeah. the, in the mixer. He does wow during his day job. And then when he's done, <laughs> he does 40K stuff. Solid. You could say so. he's grinding, right? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's on that grind uh, mindset. <laughs> Okay, Jack, your lowest point. Oh, I don't know. Um, it's been a, it's been a pretty decent year. Uh, I will say, moving studios does mean that instead of our normal three games a week, we've been doing like six, um, which is a lot because <laughs> we had to pre-record everything for like a month mm -hmm. and change. So every single day has been get in, do, do a video in the morning, get that ready, then do it, record it, um, then lunch, then set up the game for the afternoon, then record a game, then get out. And then that's when you do, once you're done with all of that, that's when you actually get on uh, preparing for stuff in the future coming up because there's an entire month mm -hmm. worth of content that we have to put out. So it was a, the last month or so has been a lot of late nights. But you know, I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, but <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of a lot more 40k than I than I wanted. Um, That's fair. I will say the the game that I lost at WCW wasn't wasn't great. I was doing pretty well, and it was unfortunately the Alpha and Omega objective, and I was keeping. <laughs> oh no was no keeping, no! Oh no no! That no. was that was honestly fine, but uh. the problem with it was. I messed up, forgot my opponent had something in reserves and accidentally let him get something onto an objective right on turn five. And so he scored his first primary points of the game, got a 15 and one barely. I think he won by like four or something. And just a tiny little slip up of forgetting he had something in reserves, leaving a gap in my screens. He was able to come in following turn, walk onto the objective because I just didn't have anything in the zip code. And that wasn't fun. Um, yeah. Mistakes but, happen. You know, mistakes happen. Like, but they, they do. You, you do learn from them. But yeah, on more absolutely. positive notes, what are you looking forward to the most for the next year, starting with Nathan? Now you will be first. I guess uh, not WTC, because I think that's cheating. <laughs> I was going to just say WTC. <laughs> like I'm ramping up for much more of a busy scene. Like I think I've got six events in the first three months. Um, I'm getting back into the game a lot more. Um, interesting to see where they go with the game, what they change, everything else. Hopefully, team stays as good as it is now. With the idea that there are so many viable armies now for teams. Singles is crazy. Singles is kind of is what it is, but teams seems to be actually the more enjoyable version of the game for me personally at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking to carry on plodding on. If I don't make Team England, hopefully I can do something in the way of streaming for the WTC. But um, yeah, just have to see. Pumba. 
I'm gonna steal one from you, probably. Because I'm gonna say Alpine Cup. Because I'm so fucking looking forward to Alpine again. The last year it was the best event after actual WTC for me in terms of experience and the whole vibe and everything and the level of <clears throat> organization or general vibe of the tournament. Uh, so this year is going to be dope as well. So that's definitely something I'm looking for most forward to. That or the Champions Cup, I want to say. Is that what it's called? The one organized by FLG? in yeah the one in dallas exactly the, in september yeah when that's... we're coming jackie we're coming to get you yeah okay sure <laughs> <laughs> i like bigger man so you know <laughs> let's go you're right up my alley <laughs> <laughs> okay in my case i have one not related to 40k by related to wargaming and that is in around one and a half weeks i'm going to polish team championship in age of sigmar oh no you're doing we're bringing a team consisting of five previous etc wtc players from 40k and my plan is to learn the rules on the drive there and play my first game of Age of Sigmar round one. I've done and that. See how... I've heard you won that as well. So, Not quite. I, I had an <laughs> RTT before I went to the GT that I won. Mm -hmm. um, but I did win my first game of... I was like, oh, I learned the game yesterday. Then I showed up and I played somebody. And I will tell you, it gets less fun... Because you, you tell them, hey, this is my second game ever. I learned the game yesterday. Let's go. You're asking them basic <laughs> questions that they know. And then about turn two, they realize that they're they're losing. And it's not like, <laughs> not like fun for either party at that point, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I will enjoy oh, no, no, no. I don't know about <laughs> that. I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I just learned, I read the rules actually, some of it, because I couldn't sleep last night, so I just read them. And I'll be playing the Squeaks army, where what? A, a, a bunch of goblins on Squeaks. Ah, the Gobos. Yes, Gobos on Squeaks. And I, remember I just read the rules. Like six months ago. I don't know if you guys, Nathan, you played seven. We had the absolute lack of pleasure of playing the worst moment of seven. And I just yeah. read the rules because guys sent me the list. And I was like, I know this thing. I've played Death Stars. And I remember how this worked back in 7th. And I was like, you have 700 points of heroes into that one unit. And that unit destroys suns. And I'm like, cool. I think I can manage doing that. And then yeah, it that army resurrects has been nerfed. <laughs> yeah, that army has been nerfed several times. Um... <laughs> It was broken about six months ago. Uh, yeah, you're going to have a good time. Yeah, so there is that. And I'm actually really looking forward to both Pyros. Not, oh, only, yeah. the, not only Euro Trash, because Euro Trash will be great with the team. But Pyros, I find, are something to really look forward to in terms of who's going to be there. And just the national teams coming over, especially the one in two months where we'll have 
very good teams and a lot of faces that I haven't seen in a while. I, I was on a chat in a chat with the group from US guys organizing them how to get to the event, etc. And I just realized that I didn't see I haven't seen Gonyo since like 2015, something like that. And some memories struck back. But anyway, I'm just talking old man shit. Jack, how about you? What you're looking forward to the most except WTC? Well, apparently I can't say WTC, so I won't I won't say that. <laughs> um Eurotrash is gonna be a ton of fun. Um I'm excited to move like we're moving to a new city, a larger city, one with a an actual 40k scene. And that'll be fun to have a local again. I haven't had a local in a while. Um because my local in New Jersey got shut down due to COVID and then I moved away before that went before that came back. And then um the city I'm in right now, Tallahassee has a very small scene. And so I'm looking forward to having local again. That'll be fun. But Eurotrash is going to be great. What's the team again, Typhus? We're team so, Belgium, right? Team Belgium United. 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 Team Belgium. Sorry, Belgium United. <laughs> okay, so, so who's on the, team? on the team? We have a true Belgians, as you can tell, starting with one and only Jack Harpster, accompanied by his fellow Belgian player from US, John Lennon. Accompanied by another fellow Belgian player, Anthony Vanella, from Polish Belgium, my son and myself. And then we have Scottish Belgium with Ines, Scottish slash US Belgium with Brian, finished off with some Kiwi from New Zealand called David Gaylord. Some Kiwi yeah, from London. Kiwi from London. <laughs> I got you. Unfortunately, I got invited to this one and said yes before uh, <laughs> America actually got an invitation because there is an American team that's going, uh, but because Ooh. I already pre-committed. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, so there's, there's going to be an American team there, but we have enough people on our, on our squad that, you know, me, Anthony, John, I don't think has hard committed to it yet. Um, I think he's still... Yeah. seeing how the move's going but we have enough americans that you know me anthony maybe john brian can be on that team and a full eight player american team can show up and uh you know the civil war will be fun part two look yeah that's what we, me and typhus have been doing for basically a year now just going on places <laughs> with different people and playing against the Polish. It, there's one great benefit of playing in such a team, because when you're a person who's usually very much responsible for certain responsibilities within the team, when you suddenly end up in such a team, you are not needed for figuring out team comp. You can just be there and that's fine, which is just a yeah. huge relief. Play my games, do my job. Go exactly. I think that's Smash what I've enjoyed. That's why I've, I've enjoyed this uh, Alpine Cat that we've been on uh, this yeah. year, because that was such a disconnection from actually running the the sparring the the eight man team, the preparation for the national team. That was such a relief from that. Yeah. Any other topics you guys want to touch upon? Anything you have on, in mind? Hmm. That's very astounding crickets I hear here. 
So I've heard, I've heard there's so many questions that if we don't get right yeah. to them, this is going to be a super episode. <laughs> so that's very this, observant of you. Uh, so, and we also got very, very specific message with a super chat that says orcs, 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 end of the question. Because usually when we get a super chat, we would answer those questions, but... This one is hard to answer unless we have something specific. It's philosophical. I think it fits. <laughs> but let's get into it because there are so many questions. I think, Jack, you might have a fandom at this point. Do you actually, like, when you fly back to Tahalasi, however you fucking pronounce it, do you actually have, like, people with banners being like, welcome back, Jack? Because that's what Absolutely I get. Absolutely not. Things. Absolutely well, not. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, no, I, I just think people are excited for the end of your wrap-up. Don't, don't tell yourself short. Maybe you're an overnight sensation. I mean, for you, I, I can be. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> next question. Uh, comparing 10th edition on the release to now, there has already been a ton of changes. Are there any changes that have been made that you would like to be reverted? Are there any more changes do you think could be made to the core rules that would make the game better or more fun? So first of all, first part of the question, because this one is another loaded one. Thank you, Macware. So anything that you would like reverted? Um, battle tactics and free strats. Yeah. It feels super clunky, super weird, not intended. Um, mm -hmm. Like you can clearly tell that codexes were written before that change was put in place. So you have plenty of things that have access to free strats that don't have battle tactics or don't have good battle tactics. Um, it's just clunky. It's weird. It felt fine before. I don't know why they changed it. I think it's okay if you, if you revert that. I agreed 100%. Other than that? Uh, Nathan, maybe something specifically for you. Maybe you want Devons back. Absolutely Ooh. fucking not. <laughs> Less Dev wounds, the better, in my opinion. Um, I sorry, go. I okay. Correction. Dev wounds are okay depending on what the meta is. If you have unkillable shit, then you need death. Then you need mortal wounds because from also devastating wounds because you get to a point where we had like in seventh edition where. What was the point of even rolling dice because you couldn't do anything to anything when you had two rollable saves and sixes to hit and whatnot? Uh, so they do have a place, but it's it's the cons having them all in one army is just annoying. Uh, I think from the game, would I change anything from? Oh, uh, what's the name? Tyrannifexes. Give me back minus one damage. <laughs> that, new, that new ability is absolutely trash. It's awful. That's extremely specific. I love it. I, I think it's the I, funniest change they made in the codex. It's True. so dumb. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's like, why? Why make it useless? It's once per game. Once for once for turn, maybe it'd be all right. But you put a point hike on it, and they made it shit. Anyway, uh, sorry. It wasn't because it was my favorite unit. Um, leading it. up to that, absolutely not. <laughs> no, uh, loved it. But yeah, other I mean, than that, I, will say I about think we're going in the right direction. Generally, 
I think about devastating wounds. I, I do think that they belong for that role. Um, and I, I, I agree that I think splashing a million mortals across units was a problem. But I, I think that they made a mistake by just uncoupling it from mortal wounds altogether. Because mm -hmm. like an army like Custodes or anything that has a defense against mortal wounds, all of a sudden it's like, sorry, buddy, get wrecked. Um, and I think they just needed to say, it, it, put some wording in there where it's like, oh, it's mortal wounds, but they don't splash over or whatever. So they still interact with the mechanics. Because all of a sudden that didn't feel intended either. Like it just yeah. felt like there were a bunch of knock-on effects that, why are we doing that? I don't know. We didn't want mortals to splash. Cool. So now custodians get bent? Yes. All right. Sweet. That's definitely doesn't feel intended. I don't think it's, I think they might have considered that happens and they were, would be fine with it because it doesn't affect it. Like leaving it as it was is definitely worse than leaving it as it is now, right? After the change. So they might have just went, oh, fuck them. Which is, also, feels bad kind of, but. After all the changes, not big mm -hmm. fan of that either. Yep. But... I think my one would be, I would like a more comprehensive FAQ, which we haven't had in a while, especially after the WTCW FAQ that was uh, put out and on the internet for a couple of weeks or something where it conflicted a lot of how the game was ruled in a lot of different events so it can it created a lot of confusion and that has not actually been cleared up in any way in a meaningful way as in the um atlanta faq has not been put into official gwfq or otherwise um, so we still don't know how some of the things works and and they are quite substantial like um and is like setting up ending a move or not things like that very impactful on very many abilities so i would like what is be... ignoring a modifier versus exactly ignoring a modifier yeah like, yeah can you disembark events? from uh from a transport after you come from reserve stuff like that so very basic stuff but kind of crucial like, and now i have... can be ruled like um differently i have the, one thing that i really dislike about ten. And that is power levels. Oh, yeah. this is yeah. something that just annoys me to the bone because obviously I'm very sister main now, but I look at retributors and I see heavy bolters and multi melters the same price point, and I'm like, why? Why is this the same price point? Like, what's going on? What's happening here? And I think there's so many cases of this just meaning that you have only one correct loadout on the model. Mm -hmm. And I just dislike it. Yeah, I think the only unit that has very significantly different war gear on their unit that isn't just a doy you take that one uh, is probably Inceptors. That's the only one. Everything else is like, all right, you take this one weapon, not this other one, because it's much worse. And it's yeah, actually visible like how... solve that. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of become visible how this um, hampers GW's ability to balance things sometimes, where they now, I think, in the Atmic Codex had to uh, split split uh, one of the chicken's data sheets to actually uh, be different for the tasers on the Dragoons and the Jezails. So they, what they've done is remove all the options from data sheets, and they had to split the data sheet into two separate entries just because they decided, no, we cannot price 
one of them. But they were doing it for a moment, like with Landspeeders, right? Like in previous editions, even Landspeeders had completely different profiles. Was a way back, you only had one version of Landspeeder, and you could buy different loadouts on them. So yeah, but, but yeah. even them, then you've had a lot of. Uh, Kind of and there are... decisions to make or things how to patch up your yeah, yeah, yeah. something because you had points to pay for that. Exactly. Yeah, nowadays, it's like on a land raider, you can take a twin heavy bolt or a mold or twin assault cannon or something like like you have like one or three options on the thing. And you're like, I'm gonna take the molting off this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so good, Th that was first part of first, first question. Um, are there any more changes do you think could be made to the core rules that would make the game better or more fun? I think we partially covered it. Yeah, exactly. that's what I meant by I would like them to be more precise or like uh, yeah, faster with the FAQs also. Even though we are getting a lot of updates, I feel like now that they have the app and the app is actually quite okay and working, it is the time where they could update things much faster than they are currently doing. Yeah. And the app is one thing that I wish they just changed their subscription model. Please, I would pay to have all the rule books and pay a monthly fee. And okay. now I'm back on Wahapedia. You're paying a monthly fee and you have to buy their rule books. Yeah. You don't get access to the rules that you didn't pay for. So that means that if my opponent rocks up and tells me a rule is a rule, I'm just like, okay, seems, oh, can't find it. Wahapedia to the rescue again. Well, where I really like the app at WTC time, for example, it was mm -hmm. so convenient to use. It's very convenient, and, and everyone was using it, which is also great because you have something streamlined within the whole community. So you can you are usually then playing on the same rule set and not having typos or anything. Like everyone was adopting that one. It also feels cool. less sufficient, which was the best thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yes. Go, if I could change now. Tell me what you guys think of this. You could change mm -hmm. one thing of 10th. Why would it be just select the entire fight phase section and just replace it with 9th edition? The entire yeah. section about how pylons and charges yeah. and Okay, all I'm that weird. Be like 9th edition. I, I disagree actually. I thought I was very I thought it's very abusable with the I charge four things, one kills the whole unit, and then I'm moving two units six inches, which then impacts the movement. It made things like Horde Armies able to just like clear the board in one turn if you made any mistake with putting something in a charge range. I actually don't dislike Tenth Combat that much, actually. It grew on me as well. So It's a I, bit I'm meat with... and potatoes, and it's a bit boring, but... It's less abusable, which I guess I don't. I mean, when you abuse it, it feels really bad. But yeah. Let's get that one straight. But I, I block really... my own charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think what actually would be the compromise, and I would what I would like to see, is them um, keeping some of the changes and reverting most of them. I think, whereas, like. After you charge, sure, let's say you don't, you get the pylon, or you don't if you don't have an enemy to fight. It's the classic, I charge two units, one kills a, the whole other squad. What I would like to see is the option to always consolidate. Just that. Like, don't give me six inches of movement, 
But if I charge two things just to be a little bit safer than usual, and I wipe the whole fucking uh, unit with one squad, the, don't tell me the other one needs to just stay on in the open, possibly, because I had to charge that way. Because or you roll too much, so you're not within range of objective. Exactly. And you're <laughs> in the open, and you cannot even fucking consolidate like behind the wall slightly just to bother your opponent. I hate yeah. that. Whenever you the have to I... roll too high of a charge roll, it feels really bad. It's all yeah. They tell you where to put your your uh, where my models are. You're going to tell me where I have to put my models? Okay, fine. Like that was the biggest shock. Was like I would charge in and it would be like, ah, oh, I guess you rolled a nine when you needed a five. That sucks. You're going to actually block out your other charge because you're required to base now. Or you have to do some silly convoluted thing where the guys in the back go first. All right, now he can't. Can we agree that now he cannot get to base? Oh, you think he can get to base over here? Let's whip out my micrometer. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I think I can. But maybe if I move this guy over here, now I can't base anymore. So now I'm free to do whatever the hell I feel like. Yeah, I think it tries to fix the, the junk and it's made it more junky, which is basically what everybody said at the beginning of the edition, I think. Like it, it pretends to fix the junk, but it really doesn't. It, it does help solve the oopsie daisy five units tagged up on one unit, it dies. Five mm -hmm. units now get a free movement phase, which I, yeah, that's probably not okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's just agree they all suck. Um, kind of. We'll, kind we'll, of. We'll figure, they'll figure it out eventually. Uh, Maybe. Like, to be honest, I started in fourth edition, and that was the worst combat phase I've ever seen because you literally had something go, I kill, I charge you, I kill you, I then move six and then hit the next unit, and I get to hit that, and then I move six and then hit oh, the next unit, and then I hit six yeah, over, and right. hit the next unit. Mm. So, like, a unit of five Harlequins <laughs> could kill nine units in turn. You go, cool. Or you had Emperor's Champions. Which basically 14, is, by the way. Just which just is a Nari in 7th and 8th, so I don't know what you mean. Yeah. It has been prophesized. <laughs> we don't learn from history. Yeah. Uh, then we have another question. We're doing great, boys. I'm, I'm really proud of us. Okay, <laughs> so why did you deviate from the violence Mango Vanilla's word eaters list, Jack? You responded to that one with ice, so you know. The, the 1975? Yes. The 1975? I really like I think, it. I think mine is either 1995 or 2K. It's very simple. Uh, I think if you deviate from my list, you land on Anthony. If you deviate from his, you land on mine. And the reason I changed his list was a couple reasons. One, Karn's all right. I don't love him as much as other people do. I think he's fine. And I think that spending for a second unit of Berserkers is not really what I want to do. They kind of suck. Uh, and then on top of that, I'm paying for a Rhino for the privilege of taking two units I'm not super excited about. So I ditched those. In exchange, I love Exalted Eightbound so much. And so I wanted, a, I wanted as many units as I could possibly fit. My list is three units of Exalted One Unit Regulars. And then on top of that, Spawn with a 4-up Feel No Pain are a bastard. And I love them deeply and dearly. And I wanted I wanted a couple of units, and they're the best skirmishers you can get your hands on. Um, because nothing outside of a real concentrated damaging unit will kill Spawn that have a 4-up Feel No Pain. Because they have a 4-up armor, cover almost always. So 3-up armor, 4-up Feel No Pain, 4 wounds, and they heal D3 in each player's command phase. 
and they take the buffs really well from world leaders because they are for film of pain they start going 10 inches or advancing and charging they get an extra attack they go up to strength six on the charge like they do they they get a lot of those buffs really really nicely they get rerolls to hit if they just happen to be near angron when when the fighting goes down things like that and for 65 i just wanted a couple cheap skirmish units instead of one more five-man zerker with a character in it uh that can be in one place i get three exalted eight bound and two squads of spawn which the spawn can go do spawn stuff which i really really like having them running around getting on objectives and when my opponent finally kills them i drop a sticky on it which is not really something Karn's unit can do that well. But Karn's unit is not bad. Like, it's not it's not bad to have it, um, to have an extra five-man plus Karn in it. I mean, although the Karn usually goes in the ten-man, the Duke goes in the five-man, but whatever. Um, I just wanted a few more Skirmish units. I wanted another unit of Exalted, and I've been happy with Lord so far. I would run my version, Anthony would run his version, and we're both happy with it. Agreed. I think I've played both over rather extremely similar variations, and it's a toss-up. Then, then there's a question from Quentin. How do you feel about Farseer shooting, Jack? There's uh, so many. Why do they have four guns? What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm like, oh, all right, the only thing that can shoot me is like one Night Spinner and a Farseer, and then <laughs> I shot a Farseer with I shot a Farseer with three bolter interceptors and the chain cannon and multi melt off a land raider it lived obviously it then proceeded to shoot back and kill two of my interceptors i was mad uh why do they shoot so hard why do they have so many guns why are none of them pistol why what is going on because elder <laughs> yeah legitimately the they still answer. have a pistol in case they need to be in combat. They just don't need to use that alongside their four other weapons. Sometimes you no, need to do an action in combat, right? So, Obviously. Okay. When it comes to making yourself a better teams player, is it better to have a suite of factions that you can play consistently or to be associated with a certain playstyle, aggro, control, etc., that you can bring into any army? Nathan, I'll, I'll ask mm -hmm. you this one. Uh, would it be an absolute cop-out to say both? Uh, preferably, I think, don't be so one-minded with your approach to teams. If you play one army and one, arm on one army only, and then your army sucks when it comes to selection, fortunately, that puts you in a difficult position, unless you're willing to go and learn and play a different army. But that's always a bit of a gamble. Play style, I've always felt... And historically has been more useful, but I don't think the team's meta is as much of that style anymore. We used to have a lot more, this is an attacker, this is a defender, this is a person who needs to go grind out points. Whereas you have certain armies now where it's like, okay, it can be put in this position and go and grind points out of something, but it will go smash something else. So I think it, you do actually kind of have to balance both now, which is kind of what makes it the hardest it's been in a while to really show how good of a team player someone is. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about it. No, I agree. We've had this... The, the perfect meta kind of also means it's very hard to choose <laughs> and hard to differentiate even players playing armies because some of the games I've seen, especially recently, it's really hard to adjust if um, 
if something very specific in the game, say the mission or some card draws, didn't decide the matchup almost as much as maybe small mistakes did. I, so I think there's like one another layer. I think when you're playing a completely new rule set, like new edition dropping in, or a huge change in like a balanced data slate or whatever new tournament pack, it's good to be more of a playstyle player for the team reason, because then you'll probably need to switch an army because something will be shit, completely bad, and you'll not your faction you will not be able to play. But when we're currently in a state of the game that we know most of the factions will remain unchanged or only slightly changed till next WTC, next team's event. I think being very proficient in your army has way more benefits than being a playstyle player. That's my opinion. So I, I think the different play styles are, they would be like, it's like a sliding scale kind of between someone who's trying to keep a bad matchup as close as possible versus someone who's trying to take a good matchup and try and blow it out as hard as possible, right? And then in the middle, you have people who just kind of play whatever matchup they're put in. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's nearly as important as it used to be. For like for eight mans, it used to be you'd have like three attackers and, and a main defender and an off defender and a da -da 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 -da. like I don't think that matters quite as much, but I think you definitely still end up with someone who is going to be who is on an army that's designed to keep games close, it's designed to try to draw out bad matchups, and it's going to be taking bad matchups almost all the time. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they have to keep that game close. And I, I do think that matters. And then similarly, there's people who, like, this is my and Anthony's job, really, whose job is to take an army that looks to beat your face in, and you put it into something whose face it can beat in, and then you just let it go. And you that's just why try you play Grey Knights. That, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're not doing that again this God. year. Last year, that was not my role. My role was just to draw everything. But um, mm -hmm. usually, like the year before, I was on Tau just trying to blow people out as hard as possible. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you again, I can tell you this year, uh, I'm going to be on the Smash Face Army. Um, but I think that it is important to be able to do those roles. I think. I think there's people who can't, right? There's people who, if you hand them bad matchups, three three or so games in, they're gonna just be worthless, right? Like people can, there's some people who can lose five times in a row and be totally okay with it. Mm -hmm. That's like a temperament sort of deal. And that's great, right? Cause you're not gonna win every game with teams. Um, and oftentimes you're gonna lose five, six games in a row if you're the dedicated punching bag. You just wanna lose as few points as possible. Um, and then similarly, on the other hand, you know, someone who it's a high stress, high pressure environment, getting really good matchups, because it's not just you have a good matchup, not play your game. It's all right. We need a, we need a blowout from you. Your opponent is going to be trying to not lose by a lot. We need you to put yourself in danger. We need you to take hits to give hits and we need you to blow this person out. Like we need you to get a 16 or whatever mm -hmm. to the team, like a 14 doesn't cut it. We need you to go for the throat. <laughs> And you're going to put yourself in danger to do it. And that can also be very stressful. There's some yeah. people who aren't, who can't. But do when you're also playing that, you also need to know your army in and out to know how much pressure you can apply. So yeah. it doesn't crumble. So there's also that layer that 
even though you're a playstyle specialist and you're more thriving in the high pressure situations, gunning for those high scores, you still need to be very well versed with your faction. So absolutely. So I think it's you important, can... um, but I don't think it's nearly as important as it used to be. It's like, are you capable of doing that? Like, are you capable mm -hmm. of being in that role of keeping the games close? All right, then you can do that. I find that so. more often than not, people have problems with being the guy who's taking bad matchups than the other way around. Yeah, usually. But oh, there's geez. nothing worse than your player you've told to go and get 16, they go way too aggressive and get four. Because that's the biggest swing in points, whereas you have sometimes the put forward who went, I think I'll get nine, and they got six. Or actually, when they got like 11. I find the smaller swings. So for me personally, I always preferred being the put forward player who yep. stole points off people, just trolled mm -hmm. people and everything else. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Always the better people to go and smash people. Yeah. I mean, if, you're probably, if your team is asking, if you're like, I can't promise anything this matchup, right? I can promise you like a three. Mm -hmm. you know, this matchup's horrific. That game is like oddly peaceful because if oh, you so less try stressful. your best, yeah. If you try your best and you get smashed, nobody blames you. If you're good, like if it's a good team, nobody blames you. It's fine, right? You were in a bad matchup. You did your best, whatever. But if you come home with an eight, you're getting like put on people's shoulders. True. So, I think that's yeah. I think that's cool. What was the biggest culture shock for you going from Jersey to Florida? Uh, seeing palm trees, honestly, I've never really seen palm trees before, and they're just like everywhere. I was like, oh, they're real, huh? That's interesting. <laughs> okay, then there's a question that I will just skip. Sorry, Preston. Uh, <laughs> which faction could warp the current meta the most after a change, whether it's nerfing their counters or through points rules changes? Pumba, what's your take on it? I think it might be sisters, which is a weird answer, I think. But if things like, if some of the top armies get nerfed, I think sisters will struggle to have any bad matchups in particular, unless they get hit as well. I think I'm high enough now on sisters that I think this army is absolutely terrifying in the right hands and is able to draw or rather play with anybody for the win, but it's going to be still difficult against some of the armies if things like Eldar, CSM... Um, CSM is actually favorable for sisters, but... I think it might be, yeah. But the other thing is I have no clue how good sisters are into the new Necrons, which I feel like it might be a difficult matchup. For I them, had a lovely sure. Christmas if with Gitto playing the game <laughs> from 11 p.m. till 3 a.m. And we already know it's not that great for sisters. Yeah, you know, I, I played it. I played that game as well. I played the Necron half into uh, into Nick playing his sisters, and it is. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. They can't kill yeah. raids. They just I thought so. love nor money. They just can't get there. So that's a problem for them potentially. Yes, but um, generally, I am a little bit scared of Necrons uh, coming on top of the meta after their codex. I think they are very 
visibly strong. Necrons are good. I think they have the problem of um, if you can answer yes to the can you do enough damage question, they just don't really have anything to, to do about it. They move slow on the Catans. The wraiths don't hit hard. You can tie them up with rhinos. So if you can kill them, they can't really stop you from just applying your damage over and over mm -hmm. again, which I do think will keep them in check. A lot of the higher damage, like Space Marine builds, World Eaters in particular sounds awful um, for for Necrons to me. But I don't know. We'll have to see as they pair into more things. I actually think this is the kind of next step of Necron evolution where we, I don't, I actually believe the hypergrip, the teleporting detachment is going to be the best one. Whereas the, like the, exactly where the, uh, the, the cryptex and the wraiths detachment is going to be the basic one where you take that because it's kind of a stat check. Let's call it that. With the hypercrypt, I think you can pull off a lot more tricks, and it's kind of this this detachment that's gonna be favor the better player, let's say. And that's what I'm way more scared of because I can see uh, a lot of people adapting for the new, uh, for the race detachment, for the stat check, for the katan, and then getting absolutely destroyed by some I don't know fucking heavy destroyers teleporting all of the place and stuff. And I think there's a lot to uh to test in that hypergrip detachment that hasn't been tested yet it definitely is the possibility to be broken for sure it has some pretty gross rules i don't know i've seen enough like armies with a lot of broken rules that never quite come together and do anything cohesively that i want to wait until somebody actually does crack it before i'm like yeah that's that's actually a cohesive army. in some necron games i feel like they really like chaff they have really strong Durable units, but they really struggle with having something to stay on objective if you're mobile enough to just bully them and just run around them. Yeah, that's my at least experience that the singular destroyers, etc., are not that great. I think Necrons are definitely going to be good in teams because mm -hmm. there's yeah. always going to be room for that for that 18 wraith build that just oh, the, all those objectives are mine, they're all mine. Yep, they're not yours, they're mine. You can't kill me. Yep. All right, I got 20. And what would Blood Angels need to get so you would start playing them again, Jack? I I want them Sisters to be terrain everywhere? Oh, that'd be nice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, I just I just want them to be like good fast melee. I want I want old sanguinary guard back really. Thank units you. Units that were Yeah, Thank units you. that were very fast or were quick they weren't like very fast but they were fast and hit like a freight train and i loved them for it and they were like more durable than your opponent would like think that they would be and it's great but currently what they are is just they they feel kind of generic like they hit about as hard as a blade guard um and which blade guard don't hit that hard they're not very durable like you can take one they're overpriced they're still overpriced even though they went down like i just want yeah i mean like if we get a blood angels codex right we get something like you can take uh wrath of ball again give them plus two move you know they i don't know man they they just used to hit hard they used to be fun and they're just not 
now. They're really not. I don't know. I know exactly what you mean. I want to run the new Dante with Sanguinary Guard out of, I don't know, a fucking Land Raider and for them to be good. That's my wet dream about the Blood Angels right now. I want to. World Eaters that... is. Playing World Eaters feels like how old Blood Angels felt. And yes. I loved it. That's kind of true. So, yeah. If we get a Blood Angels Codex, I could see I could see that doing it. Because they just need a detachment that is about going fast and hitting hard. What we have Maybe. Vanguard now for that? The shooting detachment. Nah. Then moving on, Nathan, what's your most and least favorite mechanic ability of 10? Favorite and least favorite mechanic. Hmm. Oh, I've got one. My favorite mechanic is rapid ingressing. Plus one. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Completely agreed. Because it's basically anything in a game where I don't know if you guys feel the same, but 10th definitely looked like it was taking a step towards getting new people into the game. So, in some ways, I don't want to say dumbed down, but like it became more streamlined that's why you have like the war gear options as it is now where there's no just take whatever you want and there's set points that kind of stuff whereas rapid ingress actually feels like very much a thing where you can take specific things and specific units to do so and it really offers a tactical play to the game mm -hmm. um things least favorite mechanics uh i don't think it should go back to ninth edition but uh, heroic intervention sucks ass right now. Um, yeah. What else do I not like about tenth? Um, Overwatch kind of dumb. Yeah, Overwatch could be tweaked a little bit more to not be as oppressive as it is in some ways. I think the it's not so much the rule set; it's maybe a little bit more, say, the terrain that we have. We've built all the train in ninth edition so we could all hide our armies. Whereas now gun lines are less crazy now. So you have cheap units in rhinos that just trade better than everybody else's, which just seems to be like you either have them or you don't have them. That's while I like a more MSU based meta, that can be a little bit of a its own kind of stat check where I just can't deal with you having a rhino stuck in the middle of. It's sat in the corner of a train piece, just being able to dump off a unit when it wants to do something. Um, other than that, I can't think of. Maybe come back to me. I've got one actually. Kind of silly. I, I my favorite would be, I think, the new fly, because it sucks. Yeah, it's pointless. Uh, yeah. yeah, which I which I love, by the way. It's one of my favorite changes that they've done. Is actually oh, really? killing. Yes, absolutely. I think slowing the game down was a good decision. I think it made it more interesting. I think it also reduced the number of factions that are kind of have and have nots, being everybody that has wheels and elves and their transports and vehicles being so much, like so obnoxiously better than everybody else. And the game, even if you are playing a shooting army, combined with the terrain rules and the new terrain packs, 
the games feel a little bit slower in that sense, where you possibly now cannot just throw, I don't know, eight fucking Harlequin bolts, 22 inches, through walls, through everything, and just ignore every single terrain piece in the game. And nothing like this exists anymore. Which kind of means that uh, no line of sight shooting is even better, but I think it's generally cancerous, and I think it could be as well removed from the game, I'm going to be honest. But overall, slowing the game down by those, uh, by removing fly for, from being a thing re- legitimately, because it's almost non existent, is actually good. That's yeah. my hot take. I think I love the fact that we need to plan ahead. We have this positional kind of battle instead of one person just moving. I don't know, fucking. I need to rotate over this wall with my rhino, so I go to here, and the other person just picking up a boat, fucking throwing it twenty-four inches away. Right. Um, I think so that reduces. Add- yep. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry to add to that. I'm I'm kind of glad that we don't have a flyer meta either. The actual plane. Same. Same thing. Right? Well. Mm-hmm. They're waiting to be broken, though. True. Like, I feel that. They have old school towering and they're this tall. Like, mm-hmm. they're waiting to be broken. It's just they haven't made a good flyer yet, which, thank, thank you. Mm, I've got a couple of, 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 of actually playable flyers on my mind, but I will. I know there's a couple of Europeans that think Stormhawk Interceptor. No, no, no. That's ass. No, 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 no. That's some Scottish. That's that's over the the, 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 uh, fucking uh, British Canal. We don't talk about those people. We we no longer accept Naz. No, no. But overall, no flyers in the game and the fly mechanic being legitimately bad is what I like about this this edition. And I have another I thing I didn't mention, but it cropped to my mind quite quickly, and that's new fight first, how it works with the sequencing of fight first units with uh, in the fight phase. I really like that it now became a very strong defensive role. That means that those units are a real problem to deal with. And I really like it compared to previously because in previous edition you would just fight with a unit that would strike the fight first unit first, and that would be just done. So I yeah, really like. I, I like that quite a bit too. Um, I think fight last leaving the game is a bit of a miss. I think they could have kept fight last, um, but I think fight first changes is a big is really really nice because it is something you can get around, right? You can yeah. a big your opponent has a really nasty unit that fights first in the center of the board, like you can get around that. Um, it just requires a lot more effort, a lot more resources, and that's fine. That's how defensive mechanics should work. So yeah, I think that's a really good catch. I think fight first is a, is a great change. Wish they kept fight last. I feel like that dynamic would be cool, but yeah. I can that. easily see why they decided to, to drop it, right? It's the streamlining thing. And yeah, it's also feels bad, right? But Exactly. Yeah, all the fight lasts now are fight firsts, effectively. Exactly. Just streamlined. Yeah. So Nurkle 1 is just a fight first now, just to make it way more streamlined. Even though it makes no sense, but I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, I think indirect fire, they, they had his minus one ballistic skill plus one save, and that was enough to make it fine, although I think that they should just delete it from the game entirely, and, uh, you know, it'll be weird from a thematic sense, but ultimately... 
it'd be better for the game on a whole if they just deleted indirect fire, but whatever. Um, but they had it as minus one ballistic skill plus one save, and it was good. It worked, mm-hmm. and indirect pieces were still fine, but they were balanced. And then they changed additions, and they're like, well, minus one ballistic skill is the same as minus one to hit. Let's just leave it at that. And cover is the same as plus one save, right? So we'll sure. just leave it there, too. And and then indirect fire is now everywhere. Especially with yep. cover not being able to take a three up to a two up. You just get wrecked. Oh, sorry. One more thing about mechanics. Uh, one that I hate, the entire Eldar Codex. Let's just say from the beginning of 10th. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Amen. That was, that's just... The, actually, the other one, and I'd be interested to see what you guys think about it. What do you guys think about the, the lowering of AP in this edition? Do you like it or you hate it? I like it quite a bit, personally. While the others are I like it. Because it seems a bit more that you actually... Because in the past, you just had... This unit has a silly number of attacks, full reels to hit, full reels to wound, and it's AP3 for some reason. Whereas now, you do maybe have sometimes the issue of, oh, cool, I've got AP1 or AP nothing, and that almost rules out the weapon completely because it's useless. I like it, generally. I hate that it does kind of render some of the things that they've lowered the AP of useless. And especially some units that just can't reach a certain AP. Especially, I think they lowered the combat AP too much. I think on the guns, they should have stayed like it's exactly where it should be. I think some of the melee units could have. I think Arcos really need that AP1. What? Get out of here. Fuck off. Mute yourself. Why would you even. I, I just want put that the, energy into the world. No, 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 no. I just want that really nice bloody rose detachment for for my Arcos. Okay. You know what's the same thing as armor of contempt plus one save? What if they turned armor of contempt into plus one save? How would you like that? Your AP zero just it stays at AP zero, and then I just get a two up. Sure. Screw your Arcos, basically. <laughs> uh, I, let's. I cannot believe he said that. Like fucking. Don't even put that. AP one Arco like, flagellants. What are we talking about? I'd never want to hear that phrase again, ever in my in my life. Yeah, they would be obnoxious. okay. Come on, come on. Don't even talk uh, to me. That's awful. I like that the okay. game is legitimately less deadly like it does feel like the game is actually less deadly there are we you know we memed on it but there are fewer rerolls right your whole army isn't rerolling hits and wounds now it's like a unit might or a weapon might um but it's not as widespread and um ap has dropped so the game is actually noticeably less lethal and i like that quite a bit it means you can actually survive for a turn out in the open which is sweet yeah i i I generally like it overall, although it does sometimes creep to you get these stat check units like a cursed or maybe even wraiths coming forward where it's like, oh, actually now you have to use so much of your army to do with something. But yeah, overall, I think it's so much better. Yep. Then, next question. Uh, hey, Jack, back at WTC, you took Grey Knight, something that wasn't considered for teams at the time. What was genesis of that idea? How did you pitch the idea to the team, and how easily 
how easy what is it to convince the team oh. and i it was touched on quite a few podcasts by the way i think what's that? Well, i think you no I, I think the topic was touched quite a bit on different podcasts when you guys were doing debrief of the wtc right uh, a little bit yeah basically the genesis of the idea was sean was looking for an army because uh, we had a bunch set i was working on thousand sons and we had all we all had our armies and sean was looking for an army so he was going through coming up with ideas and he came up with the rough very rough sketch of a gray knights idea and uh kind of abandoned it and moved on to something else and i was playing a game and i was like all right what am i gonna play i think that great idea actually sounds kind of cool so i put it on the board i messed with it he had some other stuff in there and was kind of going more msu uh, i messed with it and i got the 30 terminators which i basically stuck with the whole time um and i put it on the board and i was like wait wait a minute you can do some really unfair things with these with, with these units and so I pushed Sean about it, pushed Sean about it. We, I worked on the list. I played it a couple of times. So this is during list design, right? And you would think I would be spending, um, <laughs> you would one. think I'd be spending most of my time looking at the army I'm actually like supposed to be taking here. Uh, but it was about 50, 50 between gray knights and thousand sons and full credit to Vic, who, who, who just memed on me there. Full credit <laughs> to him, I, I was stuck on this Terminator concept that didn't work. Mm. The army didn't, didn't really work, right? It was a Terminator concept and really, I didn't realize how much damage you can do if you just spammed out MSU units. It felt too vulnerable mm. to me. I didn't realize that you could put the disc guys in rhinos. Like I just straight up didn't realize that. Mm. That tied the whole concept together because you could put a disc guy by himself in a rhino poop him out and he would go double move across the board and then he would go site in the barrage for you and that tied a lot of it together which i just didn't realize they could go in i don't know i realized that the 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 zangor guys on discs were mounted and i just assumed they were all mounted and i didn't look um so i didn't realize those could go in rhino so that whole concept that whole part of uh vix and arms and whoever's list it just didn't come together for me so i was on this Terminator variant, and we were looking at the matchups, and the list wasn't that good, to be honest with you. The Terminator, the 10 Terminators plus Magnus, plus like not enough stuff after that. And the list wasn't doing well. It was losing to like everything. I'd have to play my, you know, I have to play su super well to try and get a draw, or it would just randomly, we'd put it in pairings. I'm like, I can't play that. I can't play that. I can't play that. And it was, it was having problems. And yeah, I mean, as soon as, as soon as I saw, Vic and Arn's list on the board, I was like, oh my god, TV and Rhinos. Like, that just, <laughs> that tied it all together really for me. Like, I realized it then. A little late. Couldn't make the list work. And I mean, partly, you know, I was the only person on Team America working on Thousand Sons at that point in time. Um, the only one. Nobody else was working on the army. So I was having to do all the innovation on it myself, and I was going down a branch that didn't lead anywhere. And but I was going down a branch with the Grey Knights that was doing very well, actually. It was performing, all, it, was, it was doing a job at least, which one, with the job was consistently beating or tying Eldar, and Eldar was cracked at the time, and we did need that. So it was doing well, and then it was doing well in pairings, it was doing well like when I was playing it, and the Thousand Sons weren't doing well in pairings, so they were just getting bullied. 
and they weren't doing well when I was playing them, right? Like I would be stepping on someone's throat and then I would just get tabled the following turn. It was bad. So with enough of that happening, people, some people weren't on board, some people were on board, but ultimately um, it was basically a, which army do you actually believe in? And I did not have the thousand funds where I was happy with it. So we ended up dropping that and picking up the, with pick up the Grey Knights. And the Grey Knights, I mean, obviously didn't step on next the way Thousand Sons would, but they did their job really well. And their job was just to go into something and remove that matchup from existence, right? It's a 10 10 done. You know, and oftentimes I would get, like, I only went negative once. Most of the time it was either a draw or an 11 or a 12. And just consistently hitting that number every single time was very helpful. Um, yes, if I'd had Vix list in hand, it would have been better. That is how it is, you know. Um, sometimes, sometimes you could have taken something else and it would have been better, but you don't know, right? Like if I could write, if we could write our custodians list, we could write our elder list, we could write our a thousand sons list six months down the down the line. We're always going to be better at it looking backwards mm -hmm. than we are going to be yeah. at the time. We work with the list we've got. Um, I'm happy with how the Grey Knights performed. They could have been better if they were that particular variant of Thousand Sons that we didn't have. I was mm -hmm. only working on both, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's super fair. And to add to that, I uh, I was the one who was developing the Thousand Sons list for Poland. And I was basically stuck on the same idea as you for a very, very long time. So I was running the Termis and find them very disappointing to a lot of stuff. And only after our training event at Pyra, where Liam has done particular, where we've just uh, Rhino uh, rubric stylist that I've actually realized that can be run. So yeah. If that wouldn't happen, we probably uh, wouldn't have taken Thousand as well, or taken the, the battle variation of Terminators. So, nobody going into the WTC this year has had all of the answers. Not a single team, not a single person. So, I mean, and I'm happy with how the Grey Knights performed. I, I am. <laughs> they did well. They threw people yep. off. Um, like That's we sure. went in, people were assuming that they were a joke, or people were assuming that we lost our minds. And mm -hmm. I definitely had a lot of stress over that. Uh, like, because I was single-handedly the one who designed <laughs> the list, who pushed for it, who, who, you know, worked it up from scratch, who, like, did all of the playtesting, filled out my matrices, everything. Every part of it was me. And so if it was wrong and it cost us a lot of a lot of equity on the team, that would have been massive. I was so stressed about it. But ultimately it did what it was designed to do and it um, it performed well. I was happy with it. Nice. And second part of this question. In relation to current meta, how would you go about creating and picking off meta country meta army choices? Nathan, I'll take you on that one. It's a tough question because Ooh, yes. <laughs> it kind of there kind of isn't a set better. If you're looking at eight man teams at the moment, I can you can probably say there's twelve armies you can probably take. Um, I'm trying to think anything off mentor. There might I don't think there's been enough testing into them. There might be something in the admec book of just a very very good scoring list. That could be something there that does a job on the team. They just have a bit of a damage output issue. Um, from what I've seen anyway, I haven't done extensive into them. 
an off meta list at the moment. Uh, I don't think there's enough of a set meta to actually make an off meta list right now. That's kind of I true. Think, I think yeah. what you might try doing is focusing around some of the armies that are definitely are going to turn up in an 8-man, which is like CSM, Elder, stuff like this. And actually, if you have wide enough codex, say, I find turns to be this, this way, where you can build a lot of different stuff, on, uh, especially in teams. Um, I think that is kind of it. You just pick an army that you are really well-versed in and that you know the data sheets and all the rules in, and you try to skew into a very specific matchup or two. Something that yeah. definitely should appear. So Space Marines, for example, are very... I would say Space Marines, but they are very hard to skew into because they are running a lot of different builds as well. Terrains are hard to skew into because you don't know if you're running against the Horde army or a Monster Mash or something in between. So it's like... Yeah, it's super difficult. Probably take something that wrecks transports. It's the closest, I would say, to countering the meta. I mean, it might be, the question might be asking, like, generally, how do you build a counter meta? Um, and in, if that is the question, and there's, like, two kinds of counter meta lists. One is uh, a list that's trying to take one or two matchups apart in a unique way. So if you're playing for teams, you can look at the top top couple armies and just try to laser focus on a, a way to solve whatever particular problems they're coming coming up with. Like you look at the matchup, you look at an army and you say, what does this army in particular not really like to have to deal with? And then you find an army that can do that. Uh, the other one would be you try and find some part of an army that's underexplored and you try to uh, you know broaden it. So that would be you take an army you think might be good and you go back through the codex and you just read every data sheet with fresh eyes and you try to come up with like, oh, I think that unit could actually enable something here. And then you put it on the table and that won't work 90% of the time. But uh, if you do it enough times, you'll come up with a cool, cool creation. Then following, Sorry. I think we're like halfway through, so I'll start. Let's go. I might be skipping some <laughs> of the questions. Sorry, guys, but I'll, I will try to filter like, fuck you, Nas. We're not asking your question. Uh, <laughs> what about how can you cheesed, exalted, and rhinos? Why are you giving? He was allowed to. <laughs> uh, no, so have... sure he was allowed to. You're allowed to do a lot of things in life. Should yeah. you? No. But not getting top three at WTC. Sorry, boy. Uh, <laughs> and then Paul is asking that he has a fun local meta in a city in Maryland, but it's all singles gameplay and they regularly get 16 or so players to multi RTTs. But how can they steer the community into teams games? And I think the main problem is that you only have 16 players. It's that's hard not bad. No, that, that's, that's teams, that's you're not going to have a, yeah. you're not going to have an eight person teams event. But you can yeah, but you can make doubles, four formats. You can have three-man teams, things like that. Just get the team spirit of working, playing next to people. Like three-man yep. teams are doable. Excellent. Uh, I think uh, formats. If you can get four formats, four formats, it's perfect. It's perfect because you have three games over a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's absolutely workable, and even like to go further. If you go and do like a four by four event, 
Um, it's a great way to introduce people to the format and then get them excited. Because if you have um, enough people, like a 16-strong group of people interested then in teams, it's super easy to develop uh, a team that you want to go to a bigger event with, for example, or go do uh, some online league with to, to get the, the ball rolling. So 16 players, just four by four teams on a weekend instead of a normal RTD. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And then you just can develop that into on. actually um, going to more national, for example, uh, tourneys. Yeah, if you're running a four-person event, uh, four-person team event, what you can do is you just run the back half of WTC pairings. So you ignore mm -hmm. the first two rounds yeah. of pairings, and you just yeah, yeah, exactly. the, you just copy the rest of that as your back half of your pairing. You're good. What we sometimes did in our events was also an interesting way to doing pairings if you have only three or four players on a team. You can <clears> also <throat> do pairings just purely you assign player to a table and a mission. And then you reveal them at the same time. And every table has different deployment and the mission. So That'd you can create them. That's what we've done for Freemans. And I think it's quite nice because Freemans can be very boring when it comes to pairings. And you need to create armies that are very well-rounded, like take all commerce style of builds. But if you just can build them specifically for a mission and deployment, you can learn something new also. So I think that one is also a nice way of dealing for for example if you have lackluster terrain base you can then start try to figure something out also with that uh then we have pairings for a four-man team is the most interesting part of the pairings process um is the the second yes. half it is super volatile WTC it is super volatile. so volatile there's so many directions that it can go it's like if i do this and they do this and they do this and i do this and this happens and that happens like i love that part of it there's almost no right answers Yep. Yes. There's always the counter. And then there's a question about all the chances that went down, that were down from 9th to 10th. I think we've covered a lot about it, but we would like change, etc. So I'll skip that one. And there's a really nice question that I cannot find a very good answer on my own. So what separates a good player from a great player, assuming they are playing the same faction list? What is the separation? Nathan. So it's a little bit. So <clears throat> you get these with like goat debates sometimes where it's like, is it trophies or is it ability? So it's one of those. Sometimes it comes down to say, for example, Josh, huge trophy cabinet because he's been playing so long, he's consistently winning events and consistently at the top of the meta, that kind of thing. So I guess you could argue somebody's a great player. I'm not saying necessarily Josh is, but I'm just saying you could argue that somebody's a great player because they are consistently winning events or consistently doing well, even if it's with the same army, for example. Sometimes it's when you watch say for example the world team uh, world singles champs we had this time lennon took a very different list that nobody else was really running and you saw the masterfulness of the way he played it i would say he's a great player because he not only did extremely well but 
took creativity and played it really well and played it in the correct way. So for me, that's there's so many brownie points for doing those. Um, yeah, it's it's how you judge greatness. It's it's something that we'll all argue and bitch about, and yeah, it's difficult, difficult one to answer. True, I think for me that would be the ability something that you mentioned nathan actually the ability to create an archetype almost or to develop a list or delve into a faction to develop a list that you know how it's going to function on the table against majority for example of pairings before you even put that on the table i think there's a a very precise skill required for a person to understand that kind of shows to to for me the ability to um think of the 40k game very abstract or like show how good you are at predicting kind of a board state you would say in chess but but general mi macro plans of your strategy even at your list construction level. I think that's people like Liam who can take a list, like build a, a list and then perform on it to a level where it becomes an archetype that everybody else copies. That's kind of what it for me. So like my question to you or all of you would be, look, who would you view as the better player? The person who took an off meta army and won a major event? Or the person who took the on meta army and won five or six GTs, which is better. Uh, I don't know. Like if somebody, I, I do if think somebody winning, wins, yeah. I do think winning multiple events, even with an on meta army, is harder than winning one yeah. event with an off meta army. Um, I agree. I think it, it comes down to how like how you play it. I think the really great i think good players put their army on the board and they play it and every, a lot of decisions are very micro like mm -hmm. uh, i i think that great to be a great player when you when you look at the board i think it's it's less um when i've played like against truly great players it's less like this interaction is happening in a vacuum right like the interaction between this unit and this unit over on the flank whatever is happening in a vacuum whereas it's more like the entire board is you just kind of zoom out more mm -hmm. and there's a lot of little interactions and how do all of those interactions interact with every other interaction on the board as opposed to these units are fighting Right, I'm pushing this objective. Well, how does pushing that objective affect two turns from now? And how does it affect my control over this other objective and this other spot on the board? And just then control over that spot on the board affects how this is controlled. Like if I control this, I can start to switch shift control over the objective three turns later or something, get access to it by turn five. And just kind of like zooming out and seeing how everything is connected and how, I don't know, this is a little, uh, wishy-washy, I guess a little bit, but like how things will be affected multiple turns in the future, how mm -hmm. things carry forward and how one spot on the board, one unit supports another and how areas, different areas on the board are all interconnected. Um, it's just a very different feel. Like, I guess from a team's perspective, we've also seen it from 
how many times have you talked to one of your players and they've said, look, something's gone catastrophically, something's gone super, super wrong, and then they've played their ass off and they get from a position where they were maybe getting six points so they actually get like 11 and they bring it back and win. For me, that's that's a great player. So again, that's another way of when shit hits the fan, where do they go with the game from there? Rather than just going, oh, I've lost, screw it, concede, whatever. They actually like try and fight back for a game as well. And there's there's different things you can be you can be great at. Uh, list building is legitimately a skill. Um, it's hard to do, and being able to build good lists, good innovative lists, is hard. As you were saying, um, being able to put the lists on the table and play them is another skill. And being able to keep your head, keep your cool, and you know play multiple games in a row without dropping, like without being fragile without starting to fray is um, is definitely also something that you need to be good at. And you combine all of those together, then I guess, I don't know, I guess that could make a great player, whatever whatever great means to you. And there is yeah. also kind of a follow-up question, really related, but, but from other user Jason. So what are the biggest signs you see that makes you think your opponent is a good opponent equaling or around your own skill? What I mean is what do the better players you play against do that tells you they are a good player that makes you think, all right, gonna have to play a really clean game here. All right, that one is a lot easier to answer, actually. Mm -hmm. um, that one's easier for me to answer. If I show up to the table and they're making their decisions based off of what I can do on my turn, and are trying to prevent me from doing things by how they're moving their models, it's gonna be a tougher game. Um, oftentimes people just make sure that their stuff happens, but they don't go, all right, so if your unit moves, I wanna make sure you can't clear this one. I wasn't sure if that's my internet, no. but... We lost Jack for a second. Yeah, so... Uh... I think I agree, and like I can follow up what Jack was saying for a bit. Where I think we all agree, actually. Uh, where the the biggest difference for me is always seeing that your opponent, kind of playing playing your opponent becomes actually playing against their actions and not just doing my actions, uh, as they make every single thing that's possible for my job of, I don't know, removing, taking the objective, removing their models, shooting at their models, fighting their models, being more difficult or painful. And I think it's very visible when you play a good player where every single um, kind of thing you do can actually result in you getting punished for it or trading instead of, I don't know, being any, anything give, being given to you for free. Hello, Jack. Hello. <laughs> I was following up your train of thought because I think I understood what you meant. But if you would like to finish, of course, go ahead. No, I think I think I, I got there. You know, just largely if somebody is preempting the things I would be doing and taking them into account with how they're making their plans, it's going to be a tough game. If they just kind of let you do your thing and then they're like, oh, yeah. Okay, and then roll with it. That's probably that's going to be an easier game because you're stopping them from doing what they want to do. You're taking their what they can do on their turn into account, and they're not doing the same back. All right. Yeah. 
Then, very serious question from Adam. What do you most want the new custodies model to do? And how great would it be if they just cut and paste the Altarch Wayleaper data sheet for you? <laughs> With Phantasm? Uh, that would be great. <laughs> in Custodies? Yeah. Yeah, in Custodies. Um, in any fucking army in the game? Yeah, that would be great. I don't know, man. I, I that would be awful. I can tell studies. you, it'd be great for me. Um, but, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm super excited about new custodies coming out. I've been uh, been working on getting my custodies collection flushed out for the new codex. Uh, we don't know what what's in it yet, obviously, but um, just buying wardens and stuff because I like wardens. So put them on the board and playing them in a scrim. Um, but with the one with the new model to do. Incar, Custodis Incar. What are we doing here? No, 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 no. Why do you keep doing that shit this episode, bro? No, 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 no. No AP on the Flagos, no fucking Custodis Catan. Just stop. That would be also good. This is... Like, you wouldn't mind Catan. Do they even need a Catan? Nobody needs a Catan. Not even Necrons need the Catan, I'm gonna be honest. I think we lost Jack again. He was so upset about the, this whole conversation. <laughs> I, uh, I'm... So oh, then, uh, next, next question. Oh, hello. We cannot see you, Jack. But we can hear you, I guess. Uh, so, Nathan, question for you. How, mo how much do you favor reps with an army versus playing the new thing that is broken looks really good? So, uh, oh, it's I much that makes sense. I I usually much prefer reps on an army. Uh, although the singles meta at the moment seems to be very much reps on the meta. If that makes sense. So whatever's busted, get a load of reps with it. Uh, they seem to just even the Eldar players now, when everybody has answers for them, are still doing very well because people have got thousand reps. In. Um, meta chasing if you're like a, like in the previous question a great player you can still work out well and you can win things but a lot of people in general I think probably need reps on armies more than the few outliers who are great players I guess Welcome I'm back. actually going to cool. take that question because that's Dick and I know exactly what he's on about because I'm with him uh, in the Vibe Check League so I'm going to tell it Tell loud what I've been talking with him in our uh, little chat over there is because that's a very specific question of I feel extremely good on Chaos Knights and I kind of want to try Krons and should I? And I think right there is a kind of a different question of just switch armies every time a new hotness arrives or than than normally, I would say, because Dick has been playing Necrons a lot. Um, like he this year, at least. I think. Yeah, I think that's also the case. It was top four last LGT. Exactly. So, um, so if if one of your armies, I think, or the armies that you are known play, 
known for playing or that you've been comfortable playing but stopped for some reason and the new codex arrives i think that's exactly the time and you are already practiced on chaos knights i think that's a good time to actually switch to something else and especially if that's something like the necrons that can be a good way to kind of fill out how your army that you're currently playing being chaos knights how would that fare into the necrons right because if you play a couple of games uh with that army you can actually find out their weaknesses and how to defeat them much easier than playing like i don't know some and games i think there's in... another layer to this if you played way too much with one faction you can sometimes lose interest in the game and start being burnt out just by playing the same thing over and over. So I think there is like another value of just jumping from playing two, three factions simultaneously at events or focusing on one for a month and then jumping onto another just to keep yourself developing and figuring new stuff because when there's a moment where you if you do not have any feedback from other people and you're alone on a faction how you guys mentioned for thousands of wtc you will hit a wall because you are too deep in your own trail of thoughts and i think there's a benefit of trying something else and figuring something else just to get out of your comfort zone as, as mm -hmm. a coach would say yeah. Uh, and that Sam Levin is asking you, Jack, how does coaching and providing assistance to Team USA prospects and players differ from your traditional art of work clients? Um, it's very different. I actually don't have that many personal coaching clients. Um, not anymore. I used to have more, but I moved away from that towards more like just creating content. But it is quite different. Um people on team america don't need they don't really need coaching right they're on team america because they are very very good it's mostly about i've been to wtc more often than people who haven't been at all and so if there's some experience there i can help with that um or i can be you know a sounding board for ideas same as anyone else uh and I like to be active, you know, have somebody has a chat about, you know, somebody wants to talk about their army, where their ideas are at the moment, I'll, you know, I'll be a sounding board, I'll listen, I'll provide whatever feedback, and then they can take that feedback. And maybe maybe it's good feedback, and they can use it and they can make their list better or not. But it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm trying to impart skill to somebody right? Because everyone on Team America is very, very good. It's just I can be somebody on the team who can help listen to ideas and just be a person. So you avoid that, you know, you're the only person on an army sort of thing, mm -hmm. where you can stall out, as you were saying. And, you know, I can do as much as anyone else on the team would. Uh, but in terms of like, actually coaching someone who, you know, isn't good enough to make Team America, which is a very, very high bar. Um, it is about trying to get them a lot of the time. It's about trying to get them to think critically about their decisions. Um, it's about trying to get them to in that moment where they just make a decision and start moving models and doing things to stop and think and just say like, all right, what am I trying to do here? What are my goals here? What am I trying to get done? Because if you can stop that process and have them actually think about every decision they're making, 
um, you can, you can, it, it makes them a lot better, a lot quicker, right? Because they start seeing, oh, why am I moving my models here, right? Like, what am I doing here? And then after you're all done, like getting better at that, you can jam it together, shortcut it. Like, I go off instinct most of the time. But um, it's, it's about stopping and actually taking a second before you start touching models, before you start doing anything to just say, what am I trying to do for this turn? What are my goals? How can I get those done without just jumping right into it? But coaching for somebody on Team America is just about being, you know, someone else that someone can talk to. Like there's, you know, I need that. They need that. Just talk. Mm -hmm. And he's done again. <laughs> Uh, great. Uh, then uh, there's a lot of questions that we touched upon. I will try to head up, head us slowly towards the end. So I have do a rapid fire. Uh, okay. So Nico rapid was asking in the chat about show questions. Cool. Me and group of friends are heading to Alpine. Since I consider myself the most competitive of our bunch, I will be captain. I was wondering if you could give us pointers on what are the best skills we can focus on in preparation. Nathan. I've never been a captain. Pumba, go. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a difficult question to rapid fire. <laughs> yeah. um, controlling your uh, scoring, as in predicting your score during the game, as in how am I going to score every single turn towards since the uh, from the beginning to the end in a particular matchup it's difficult it comes with practice with a particular army and against armies and that skill that you develop throughout playing an army multiple 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 time, times against different opponents against different armies uh, armies can then help you um prepare your matrixes more accurately which in turn means you have an edge in pairings which is a huge thing so for me especially if you are newer go for comfort as much as possible try to actually not meta chase especially if the meta stays relatively healthy as it is now it's way more important to get your reps in as more um, less experienced players to get the data that you put into your matrix more accurate for the person doing the pairings. I think that's as comprehensive as I can get. <laughs> yeah, you know? game matrix, right? Basically. Exactly. So know your army since yeah. I know. Cool. Now that our lovely on and go boy is back, yeah. uh, I've got some questions yes, about Team USA because I cannot be asking more because I'm also starting to be tired because it's almost yeah, I think my time. phone is dying so, which is what's causing these problems <laughs> <laughs> might be I think it's fair to say that Team USA has gone through a phase of evolution in the last year or two what have you learned during this process and what advice would you give to developing teams national and more local that's to you Jack oh that's tough um I think branching out is the single biggest thing, the single best thing we could do. Um, what you want to do is you want to have a team that is focused on one goal and you are focused on that goal over yourself. Something we've done really, really well in Team USA is there are no, there are egos, obviously. People 
have an ego. That just is how human beings are. But there are no egos when it comes to how Team America like plays, how Team America goes to events. And that's been very top down. Um, and that that is not something that just organically happens, although I think we have some great people on the team. We have some very, very just good human beings on the team. I think that it it is very important that your team is committed to the group doing as well as possible. And whether that means you do well, whether that means you're the rock star or not, is not important. And everybody on Team America is committed to that. And so that means there's very little fighting, which is honestly impressive for a group of 40 people who like 40K as much as, you know, as much as we do. Um, there's very little fighting. There's very little trying to put one person above another who's very little, you know, there's been no undercutting. There's been nobody trying to make someone else look worse to get to be better or whatever. And I think enforcing that from the beginning is a really big deal for any, for any group. Just having a team goal that everyone is on board with and it is a group activity and we're all dedicated to it as much as we can. And I think that's been one of the best parts about uh, Team America for me is just that there's, we're just all on the same, you know, we're all on the same ship trying to get it to where it needs to go. Yeah. And I can second that in saying that, uh, basically doing this if if that's your local team that can also work just keeping it in mind and everybody um very honest in what your goal is is your goal to be the best team or like to improve then you have a very good chance of actually doing so as a team and like being resp every playing being kind of responsible for other players in that sense where it's a shared goal, not only just one person trying to push everybody out of their comfort zone, for example, but them actually willing to do that and have a conversation, I feel like. It's a huge it thing. was, we would tell, because we got a bunch of people on who'd never been to WTC before. We would, we would tell them, listen, you're not on the starting roster, but it's still very, you still have a very important role for this team. And we'd tell them that, and they would act like we were just trying to make them feel better. And, and the phone light again. Let's go. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll get back to that. Uh, sure. I have one question that will be on a closing note. When Jack comes back, he'll answer. Sure. So, Some what's your fire? favorite part of the game, and what keeps you in the hobby aside from the community, Nathan? All of you guys. Aside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> aside. No, that's just a lie then. But genuinely, what's actually got me back into the game a lot more was doing all the streaming, doing the extracurriculars around talking about the game. Because as much as it's the hobby is the enjoyable part, the best bit is the people around it. I know this sounds very wishy-washy and hippie, but it is a bit like talking to you guys or doing scrims or meeting people at tournaments, meeting your friends at WTC, all that kind of stuff. That's what actually keeps you going. So, yeah. And Jack, you were saying. Oh, yes. I was saying we would tell people that it was that their role was as important as anyone else's, even if they weren't on the starting roster and they wouldn't believe us. And then they got to Belgium and... <laughs> And they really uh, found out. 
And they found out that it turns out that we had like uh-huh. 10 coaches or something and all of them were important. Yep. You know, yeah, it turns out that if you go to Belgium, if you, if you go to WTC and you're not starting on the team, you're just going to War Masters, which by the way is a great event anyway, you are still an invaluable help. And that really helped the, the team, the sense of, it, of being a team. Right. The support staff was as important as the starting players as much. And now the rapid fire question that I already asked and Nathan answered very wholesomely. What's your favorite part of the game and what keeps you in the hobby aside from the community, Jack? I mean, nothing has kept me in this game aside from the community. Like <laughs> That's what I mean. I was supposed to say that. Like, holy shit. The like, what what like... has kept me in this game other than the community? It's been like five different games over the last... 11 years like exactly the only thing that's kept me in has been the community you go to an event you make friends there and you're done you're toast you're part of this because it's the only thing the only place you can get it from mm-hmm. you know and now yeah, you go the back, first time i went back. to etc my calendar changed from being a usual january to december my calendar now is from what august till august yep yeah. <laughs> pretty much for past 11 years now 12. Yeah. so pretty much jack black templars crusaders and rhinos yay or nay they're good they're good i don't think they fit in every list they're they're good in the iron storm they're all right in righteous crusaders but if you want to include them they're solid cool and do the crons, uh specifically wraith and katan heavy builds have a place in teams yes yes definitely yes. Stat checky, pushy, <laughs> objectivey kinds of armies will always have a place in teams. Yes. Anything else that you see, Typhus? Nope. So, on that note, thank you, Jack, for joining us multiple thank times you. during this one. <laughs> and leaving us multiple times during this one. I just got this. I will absolutely like I can't deal with it anymore. I absolutely love now the work that I will have to do while editing because every time you drop out and join in, it's actually separate audio track. So I will have to find out where you dropped out and dropped in. So it will be lovely. Uh, can't wait. Thank you. Like yeah. I cannot appreciate <laughs> all of Think of this as an opportunity to grow. You know, to listen to more of you. Exactly. Yes, that's surely the way I want to progress my career. Mm-hmm. Completely. Hey. You actually should. Career? Uh, so... <laughs> okay. So, it was nice. It wasn't nice. <laughs> having you as a guest. So, uh, in, on that hey, note, thanks for having uh, me on. Thank you. Ev- and thanks, everyone, for listening to nice. those shows over the year. Like, to be fair, we started doing lives. And whenever we do lives, and I see at one point that we have 50 concurrent live viewers, it is kind of mental when you would think that would be actual people sitting in the room looking at you. True. That's 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 kind of creepy at the same time. That's dope. But thank you very much. The fact that the highest views video was the absolute clickbaity tire list, and that was the highest. Did this with Vic, right? Yes, yes. Of and course. That was the highest highest views the... we've got on any video. But Vic, the dollar maker. <laughs> Absolutely, you just need some sultry voice, and that's that's all you need. He he brings in the, the money. Let's so, go. Yeah.
we need to abuse it more. True. Nathan, it's up to you then. Uh, yeah. So yeah, thank you very much for joining in and for the whole year. Yeah. I do not have strength to do my plugs, so, but if you want to join join Patreon, then you can ask those questions and make sure we stay for another two fucking hours answering your questions. Let's go! <laughs> because we kind of moved towards two-hour episodes, and it, it's been great. So yeah, having that in mind, Happy New Year, and Jack is gone. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Have a good one, guys. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.